This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. Truth is out there. And here, who knows? But either way, we are opening up the Bloom Files here on Post Show Recaps and X Files First Watch slash Rewatch Podcast. Let me count in my co host. Five, four, three, two, one. Don't breathe too deep. <laughs> All right, so to be clear for people out there that are wondering what was that, so I was doing a New Year's Eve countdown. And I started singing a song from the hit musical Rent. Right, because the song consists of the lyrics, we're living in the, end, uh, in the, no, we're living in, in we're living in America. America at the end of the millennia. Which you showed me, they performed that. They did, so it's actually poignant in Anyways. Yeah, because they did what they did the Tony Awards this year, where it was like they half, half Tony Awards and half like <laughs> Broadway's back, baby. Yeah, so it was a bunch of like duets. So they did for good from Wicked and mm. Anthony Rapp and uh, Ro- Roger. <laughs> What's poor, his name? Poor guy. What's his name? I've seen him his before. Name is Adam. Pascal. Oh yeah, Adam Pascal um, performed. So the reason why we're making all of these tangents in the beginning is because we're talking about an episode of the X Files called Millennium. <laughs> That was Y2K hitting. No. Oh. <laughs> Everything broke. <laughs> Wait, so, uh, sounds like you got gut punched. <laughs> 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 the computer shut down. Oh, it's oh making no. Me, making me throw up a little bit. Uh, yeah, so we're watching. We zero, watch zero, 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 zero. Oh, you're turning into a computer now. <laughs> yeah. All the computers in our body shut down. Uh, I forgot about that. And we times. also are talking about the Goldberg Variation, mm-hmm. uh, episode six, two incredibly different episodes of the X-Files. And we were watching Millennium and I was like, oh, right, I don't think this is a good episode. (laughs) Well, it's, it's, I think it serves a larger Well, to me, I shouldn't say good. I should say I was bored. Oh, good. I was bored. I was just like, oh, right, I I wouldn't have chosen this if it wasn't like a larger purpose slash... It, it is interesting to think about the millennium being something that was so thought about. Yeah, you in know, such like a, it brings about an, uh, a necromancy cult that brings about zombies in the apocalypse. Yeah, but there was all of this talk about the apocalypse. And you remember again in 2012 when it happened and it was like, oh, no, yeah, the Mayan but, apocalypse. Yeah, but I remember it was deafened slightly because A, of Y2K, and B, if, do you remember like the year before or in 2010 when people thought the rapture was coming? Yes, the rapture. Love the rapture. Yeah, we were left behind, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, for various reasons. Uh, so, we're talking about those two episodes. Let's start with Millennium, and actually, I got a note from Spencer that I mm-hmm. think is like a good primer about the Millennium series for those uh, people good, yes. <laughs> like us who have not seen it. Because all we really—I mean, we did our research prior to coming on for this. After you, you did, I did. I looked. Uh, I looked into the Millennium show mm-hmm. a bit. Right, I did not. But the basically the only thing I knew about it was what was shown in this episode, which was sort of like the expo dump that Skinner does. Yeah, and then the character of Frank. Yeah, and the character of Frank is. Basically, the character of Mulder pre-X-Files. He's a criminal profiler. He's somebody who, like, understands. So they they do a lot of that in this episode where he, like, is, like, telling you what the person's going to do based off of their criminal profile. Mm, He's like, this is going to be somebody who's going to go back to the scene of the crime. They're going to do this. They're going to do that. Yeah, it's, like, very much so what you see when somebody, like, specializes in understanding people and how they're going to act in a criminal manner. So, All right, so I got a type, top five, baby, from Spencer about what to know about Millennium. Hit me. One, this Chris Carter creation uses key personnel from the parent series, yeah. such as showrunners Glenn Morgan and James Wong and music creator Mark Snow. So lots of familiar DNA. 
Two, the three-season show focuses on a mysterious secret society mm, for its mm-hmm. main mythology and features mostly grim or occult-adjacent subject matter for its MOTWs. Uh, so I guess it uses the same structure of, like, sometimes overarching things, yeah, it's sometimes the, Monster it's, of the Week. Yeah, but everything that's Monster of the Week is, like, uh, a little bit less... Not the gold var- variation. Yeah, less varied, more creepy, and more, you know crimes and victims and shit like that number three to a point you made before frank black has clyde bruckman like psychic powers as he can see through the eyes of murderers and of the murdered oh uh, yes <laughs> that's interesting well so it's funny because there's an episode um in the x-files that is like that mm-hmm. um except it's like uh the there i forget there's a few episodes that are like that there's one where there's a scully and there's pictures being taken of the murders happening and, oh you're, yeah, yeah you always bring that up yeah it's a weird episode but um yeah there's a few times where the, they they like this idea let's just say that number four many nods are made to the x-files including Mulder and scully's stand-ins making cameos which i believe they've shown up in yes they uh, have the series prior an episode featuring jose chung okay mm-hmm. we love jose chung usage of morally cigarettes and an episode where a character is watching season five's kill switch, that is trippy on meta. <laughs> considering that we have characters involved in the X-Files, but they're also watching the X-Files. Yes. <laughs> and finally, number five, uh, to be clear, this episode did not pick up from where the series no. left off. So the show's deep mythology with concerns just more than the apocalypse was in no way fully resolved. So it was, <laughs> yeah. I guess, less so an epilogue and more so a, hey, I want to, I don't know, round the blocks with these I, well, characters. So the big thing is that they talk about Frank Black uh, or Chris Carter talks about just kind of wanting to have this character reach the millennium. And that was really it. Like, how do we get him to cross the finish line? And like, yeah. we're not really going to wrap up anything else, but he needs to hit that five, four, three, two, one. It's the millennium. Yeah, like, it, well, it's interesting though, because you could have fooled me if you said that this wasn't a serious finale, because this episode to me really did feel like Mulder and Scully were just kind of there. Yeah. No, it's an true. Episode of a different show that these two characters were a part of. Except for the end when they're the main feature, baby. Well, yeah, we'll talk about that. <laughs> that was the other reason. As soon as we got to that, I was like, oh, right. That's why we have to watch this After episode. After so many close calls, it yeah. finally happens. But let's start with a, a less romantic site, a funeral. Yeah. Barty Crouch is in the casket. I don't think his name is Barty Crouch. <laughs> I don't think it's Barty Crouch either. It might anyway, be Barty Crouch Jr., played by uh, David Tennant. Yeah, maybe. I don't remember who's in the casket. But, 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 Random, one of the guys. One of the, yeah, so this is going to be one of the four guys, right, who uh, yeah. was part of this cult this this necromancy Raymond cult. Crouch. Raymond Crouch. Everybody loves Raymond Crouch. Well, one person does. Mr. Johnson. <sighs> Mark Johnson. Played by the dad from, what did I say, from Donnie Darko. Oh, right. And he's in something else, too. He's like a, I wouldn't say like a famous actor, but he's definitely somebody who is like, you'd notice who I mean, he it was. It makes sense. He's a very troubled person. His son did <laughs> get killed by a falling jet engine. He did. His daughter does, or did he? His daughter does not have commitment to sparkle motion. <laughs> <laughs> Neither do I. So, um, yeah, so basically they're visiting. And this is the end of December 1999. Yeah, just so he's, for he's visiting his, his, you know, funeral. And then, like, after hours, Johnson sneaks back in. He <laughs> opens up the casket. Shit. He begins to, like, undress and start preaching some gospel. Yeah, he's basically speaking from, from what I understand to be the book of Revelations and the gospel of John. Um, you know, so like he's he's you know he's talking some stuff, right? And he's uh, they're both getting naked. Yeah. So basically, there's and to explain this, they explain it later in the episode, but they don't land on it too hard, so you kind of can miss it. But he has to wear the clothes of the person while he's saying that stuff to and bring them to life. It's part of the necromantic ritual. So right, but Raymond Crouch didn't die in these clothes. Like, what's no? It's it's just it's just part of him. It's like a it's you have to be wearing his clothes. It doesn't have to be like clothes that he were like he wore every day. You don't wear the same clothes every day. You wash your clothes, but they're your clothes. So these were his clothes. They were put on his back. What if he borrowed someone else's shirt and died in it? Did that that count? They're his now. Okay. Well, unfortunately, yeah. According for for necromancy, they're his now. You keep it. Yeah. Since you died in it. Yeah. So then he's going to go, right? He's going to like stop at the graveyard, gets a phone call, and then just walks away. Right. So if you don't, if you blink and you miss it, another thing, 
while he's putting on the clothes, he places his cell phone in the coffin. That's where the. And phone so went. one week okay. later, he's. This is one week later. One he's monitoring, week later, he's monitoring the grave when his phone rings and he walks toward the grave with a shovel. Oh, I didn't realize yeah. there was a time lapse. In no, it, open. it was tough to follow. I had to like watch that back and like or read that back and say mm. like what actually happened here. But yeah, so basically, like he raised him from the dead, but it took some time. Yeah, and then he went back and dug him up. Um, and that's why he left the cell phone. And that's why Mulder and Scully get brought in mm-hmm. because they see, hey, a body has been dug up. Because uh, the like the the cast- well, no, so they're called to yeah, they're basically called to examine an empty grave where there's like claw marks on the right, inside. Where it of the looks casket. like someone was intending to get out who was inside it. Yeah, and the poor medical examiner here is like, I do my job well. That prior guy was dead. He was ded dead. He was just like, I did not bury somebody alive. He's like really upset about this because like he could be found to be like liable for murder basically is what they're yeah. insinuating. Meanwhile, weekend to Johnson's is happening where he's driving around and he has <laughs> yeah. the body in his trunk and then the body comes back to life. Yeah, so the body comes back to life and I do think that a cop gets killed, but not yet. Not yet. This is I don't know. It's I can't say zombies are one step too far. It's just weird for me to watch it. Yeah, and they're done in a weird they're done in a very zombie like way. So right. like, I, I would not be surprised if there was another episode where they did like a scientific explanation for zombieism well the frankenstein's monster and that too yeah even with the vampires right there was this uh, this shroud of with bad blood it was like oh they aren't really vampires it's just their genetic like markings and all that stuff yeah and i think that in this case it it's just straight up necromancy like somebody's using the bible and magic to bring people back from the dead and they are not actually back from the dead this is like pretty common necromantic yeah, stuff it's just weird to me like i don't want to be a scully in this instance it just feels different it is different it's, yeah. very, it's much more mythical and metaphysical oh totally the there's stuff. there's no science and i would say also from the perspective of faith as well that they've done episodes around scully's faith but this is sort of like apart from her so it yeah. does feel very like magical and yeah mystical. she's not the one chiming in with the bible verses these cops are right and also like it's pretty well known if you know anything about necromancy, which I'm sure which you do. I know the most. You know the I'm most. I'm holding my severed goat head in my lap as we speak. <laughs> no, but it's like if you read any sort of like fantasy novel, if somebody's brought back by necromancy, they're not actually brought back. Mm-hmm. They're always like a shell of right. themselves or like not human or whatever. But yeah, well, that's the uh, the legend of the Deathly Hallows, right? Yes. One of exactly. the one of the brothers wishes his love to come back to life, but she was. You can a never zombie. bring somebody back. Exactly. So Mulder, though, is on the, the trail, right? He sits yes. down with Skinner and is like, this is necromancy. There are ritualistic elements going on. Yeah. Uh, here's an Ouroboros. Well, this is also, is this when they have their little, like, meeting at the FBI? Yeah, this is where, <laughs> this is our expo dump, right? This yeah. This is like our, like, oh, this is what Millennium is. This is what their symbol is. This is everything that they represent. But is this where there's also those other people in the room? That Remember when they're, like, sitting around the table? Oh, yeah. I think that's, this, I think this is that. Yeah. It's weird because they never do that. <laughs> they're oh, like, yeah. where, where there are other people in the room besides Skinner. Yeah, they're having like an actual debrief about their job and like the case that they're working on and basically trying to explain to like these other people who are on the case what they're going to do. And it's right. very weird. Yeah, they, they they very seldom off. Like, I think back like, to. Like, this is very like admin yeah, stuff. Yeah, I, I think back to that Tempest Fugit and like Max stuff, right? When they were brought in yeah. to deal with the field agents. Yeah, the field that, agents. That's what this reminds me of, of, okay, I guess we have to be correspondents in this regard. Yeah, send an email. But they're going to go visit Frank Black, who is a former member of Millennium, who is self-institutionalized. Well, so he's a former member of not well, of the FBI. Of the FBI, but it was investigating Millennium? Investigating Millennium and got in too deep, uh, is what they kind of say. Yeah. And so he has self-institutionalized um, himself. With, self-institutionalized. Uh, blah, 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 blah. With Octavia Spencer. With Octavia Spencer, named octavia <laughs> this was so strange and i'm so glad you caught it because i definitely did not the first time yeah. around especially later on, i didn't like, notice it when i first like back in the day yeah, like i didn't know who that was like huh octavia i mean she pops up in other places like i remember she, she plays a prominent role in how to lose a guy in 10 no no, no so, never, uh, been kissed. never been kissed how dare you there are multiple movies where the leading character works at a newspaper okay slash magazine uh newspapers are different than magazines magazines include how to lose a guy in 10 days. 13 going on 30. If my eyes could roll further back <laughs> in my head, I would look like a zombie. Anyway, never been kissed on my favorite part of time. Yes. Uh, so, <laughs> so Frank, though, is basically going to say, nah, I'm good. Don't- yeah, he's like, I don't... So basically he explains to them that 
he has a daughter and him diving into these cases, investigating the Millennium Group, all of his life in the show Millennium mm-hmm. led him to like basically lose access to his daughter. Right. He like, got in too deep. He got in too deep and he like he lost the most important thing and now he's trying to get it back. And so he's trying to prove to everyone that like he's like, I don't know, mentally well. By put checking himself into a mental facility. Well, I think just for observation. Like he's able to check himself out if yeah, he was energy. It's just interesting coming off of those first two episodes of season seven, right, where <laughs> yeah. Mother is in that padded room and that's what it makes me believe. I don't think he's self-institutionalized <laughs> in that case. <laughs> Meanwhile, you mentioned this before, uh, basically Johnson's going to get pulled over while changing his tire by yeah. a poor deputy who's like, hey, uh, you got a dead body in your trunk. Oh my god, the dead body came back to life and now he's killing me. Oh uh, yeah, good while stuff. While Johnson's going to defend himself by surrounding himself and what we find out is salt. Uh, yes, uh, he does a lot of circles of stuff in yeah. this. But yeah. yes, he s- surrounds himself with a circle of salt. Exactly, to keep make sure that at least the, the zombie isn't attacking him. And I think we also forgot to mention earlier that um, Skinner basically tells Mulder and Scully that um, Crouch, Raymond Ka- Crouch, was mm-hmm. a former FBI agent with also had ties to the Millennium Group. Right. So there's, or agent or something, I forget. But he theorizes that it was all sort of like part of a bigger picture with the Millennium Group. So they're going to find out that like people that were involved in the Millennium Group are the ones being killed mm-hmm. moving forward. Yeah, because they sort of swore, made their own pact, right? Of, okay, yes, we'll that di- it was we'll, intentional. We will die and then we'll come, we'll get brought back to life and become the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Correct, yeah. And so they're all going to kill themselves. <laughs> so the next day, Mulder and Scully are now called in to find this cop's body a uh, pretty, you know, good yeah. job. All things considered, Johnson, I know, it has a, a habit for taxidermy, but, like, dude had to do this on the fly, on the road, and he still was able to sew his mouth up and, like, put a little scroll yeah. in it with a Bible yeah. quote. So, basically, he's trying to prevent him from coming back from the dead because... because yeah, he fills his mouth with salt, as we'll find out. Yeah, so the issue is that he wants the four people from the Millennium Group to come back as <laughs> Nobody the Nobody four- else! Yeah, so I guess the I guess during his, like... During this whole process, if anybody else dies at his hand or from what I don't know what the what the I mean, it wasn't at his hand, though. The he was standing in the salt circle. Yeah. So who's to say what the magic is here? Nobody can know. It's right. not up to us to know. Yeah. And so you mentioned this before, but Mulder realizes that like in his mouth is a scroll from the book of revelations uh first you know chapter verse 18 and he remembered that frank black had said like first and 18 while he was watching football oh and yeah and that's like oh it's that's actually you were trying to hint something to us and so she basically said like yeah you know more than you're letting on tell us what's happening and this is when he basically tells us what we just said yeah um and now yeah so i guess like they're gonna try to find Johnson now. Right. This they're, is they're, like, they're, they're basically trying to figure out, like, who was who is the guy? We know who the guy is, but who's the guy? Yeah. Where does he live, and how can they stop him? Yeah, plus, uh, Scully's gonna get attacked by a dead deputy because yeah. they take the salt out of his mouth. Yeah, because, and Scully tries to frantically call the coroner, right? Yeah, as, as and the, the coroner autopsy, ignores. As the autopsy is being done, she slides, she makes it go straight to VM. This is why sometimes it's not good to screen your calls, folks, is because Scully's frantically saying over voicemail, Stop! Yeah, don't touch the body. But she is too late. She does show up at the morgue, like, shortly thereafter, and the coroner is bleeding on the floor. Uh, Johnson is, is actually there, too. He was not that far behind. Well, because he wants to make sure that they... He hears that they have taken the body, and he right. wants to make sure that they don't do what they're doing. Exactly. So it's, it's this weird thing where... The enemy of my enemy is my friend, in a manner of speaking, where Scully, it happens off camera in between a commercial break, but Scully basically says after the fact, oh, Johnson shot the zombie and then ran away with him. Uh, He saved my life, but then, like, he took off. Yeah, exactly. And so they're really trying to find this guy because now they understand what he's trying to do. And Mulder is going to stumble upon that. You made a note of this. Speaking of 1999, Primo sunglasses on Fox Mulder <laughs> God, here. They're awful. They're tragic. They're very much 
I'm thinking Neo of Neo from the Matrix. That, but I'm thinking specifically about the beginning of Mission Impossible 2, uh, yes. where Ethan Hunt, played by Tom Cruise, does like a free climb right when yeah. he's going along the, the cliff side. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That, those are the sunglasses I'm thinking of specifically. Yeah, they're very like sporty. It's less than, So sporty. Yeah, yeah, and that was very much a 90s vibe, early millennium. Yeah, even when you're not sporty, you have to look sporty. Yeah, whereas nowadays it's like you have to look like more studious. Like yeah. it's retro. It's It's hip right and so this was and you know Mulder was sort of led to this place but he was more so like profiling pieces in the area because frank was saying oh there's a heavily guarded property there's someone with experience in taxidermy and Mulder says oh let me show up at this place oh there's a big ass bag of salt in the trash and it's not winter yet okay this probably is the place yeah and then he goes inside and there's a bunch of dead things <laughs> yeah that's probably the smoking gun is all of the zombies <laughs> that are in the basement oh that I meant the taxidermy <laughs> oh that, that, that as well yeah that that's probably like a big sign Somebody yeah. likes to kill shit. I feel really bad for taxidermists out there because I feel like pop culture has framed them to always be some sort of murderers. Yeah, but why are they doing it? Sometimes people have their arts, you know? Don't yuck anyone's yum. I'm yucking that yum. Sorry, taxidermy listeners. That's not a good thing to be doing. Listen, if they're not the ones that are doing the killing, at least Sometimes I hope they are. Well, if they're not, then I think they're being unfairly painted here. All right. So Mulder's going to get trapped in the basement, basically. Yeah, he breaks in and he's like, Johnson comes in basically like five minutes behind him and he finds him in the basement. He locks him in there with a bunch of zombies. Yep. Rut row. Yeah. Scully's going to go to Frank and basically say, okay, I saw a zombie. So I think what you're saying might be true. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, okay. And Frank's like, oh, no, your partner's in trouble. Uh, Check, please, is essentially what he does yeah. in a mental hospital. Well, she she berates him a little bit. She's like, you're being a coward. Like, you, you know, like, you need to help us. It's your duty to help us. All that sort of stuff. But right, I don't but, know. But, but he's able to check himself out. Yeah. And so he gets there just in time to help shoot some zombies in the head. Right. He gets down to the basement. He's able to, I think, shoot one of them in the head. He, mm-hmm. I think he gives Mulder a gun. Like, he's uh, he's able to really take care of everyone. Oh, well, no, he, he does. I remember he pulls up to the house. Right, and yeah. Johnson comes out, and Frank sort of goes pseudo-undercover, right? It's yeah. like, a, hey, brother, it's me. I'm part of your magical necromancy fraternity. Like, I want to be the fourth. Yeah, since and so since Johnson gives a him a gun, which he immediately pulls on him and yeah. says, you know, get the, get the F on the floor. Yeah, and so and then there's one left, and Scully arrives and kills the zombies. Yep, exactly. It's like, Frank nearly dies at the hands of that last zombie, but Scully saved you a bullet. She shoots the last zombie yeah. in the head. Again, it's weird to have these people... Hunting zombies, but the X-Files has done so much at this point. They're in their Yeah, they've season. done weirder stuff. <laughs> Speaking of weirder stuff, let's talk about a weird production moment here. Yes. Because the final scene takes place in the final minutes of 1999, which, yeah. at the time this episode aired, had not yet happened. <laughs> yeah. This technically takes place in the future. Yeah, so basically they, they return to the hospital. Frank's going to go back to the hospital, and it's going to be midnight on December whatever 31st. 31st i don't know time or dates or 10 anything. p.m eastern standard time. time yeah so that's basically when they're getting back to the hospital and eventually it's gonna hit midnight and yeah they're showing the tv they're showing dick clark's rockin new year's eve yeah, for 1999 specifically which again is weird yeah and so apparently what they did was they took the tape from 1998 Mm-hmm. And showed and and superimposed two two thousand on the ball. They dropping. probably had him. They had Dick Clark do like ADR. On no, it. they did. Yeah, they called in Dick Clark to do a voiceover, saying the words like, you know, Happy New Year, wow. the year two thousand. Going through like, a lot. I mean, I guess again, two thousand is a big year, so it is going. It's understandably going through a lot of effort, but still. Yeah, it is a lot of effort, and in this day and age, they would just reproduce the whole thing, which is like very funny to think about. Like yeah. they would just do a different kind of ball drop but back then it was like you didn't watch anything but right. dick clark. like they would have they would have some sort of faux dick clark being like hey my name yeah, is clark exactly. dick and, and it wouldn't matter bringing in 2000 but they really went for authenticity here yeah well and back then that was all you watched like i feel like yeah, from different. my perspective like after dick clark died it's like Ryan Seacrest, yeah he does it but nobody really like tunes in anymore it's not like a thing I, yeah i completely agree i feel like is it, is it the streaming age is it that yeah, probably because we don't watch live tv that much anymore that's true but yeah i do i always remember oh going, and we're old going so. to new year's eve parties <laughs> and like that's something that's always 
on, at least in the background. I remember right? this exact New Year's Eve. We went to a neighbor's house and everyone was watching it. And I was like, actually kind of scared. Like, Y2K really got to me. <laughs> yeah, well, we should talk about that for a second, actually, as we're finishing off the episode, because there might be some people. Sorry, I'm blowing my nose so much, fans. <laughs> yeah, you're just so upset about it. Yeah. It's okay. 2000s was, was 21 years away. It's okay. I was a chubby kid. How was old was I? Nine? Uh, but yeah, we were 10. No, we wouldn't have been 10. We would have been a year up below above that. We would have been 11. No, I turned oh, 1989. Right. So, 1989. Yeah. I don't, again, math, numbers, yeah, dates. You, were, you would have turned 11 four months after this. This. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So we were 10. We were 10. And Y2K was a legitimate thing. And neither one of us, I think, knew a lot about Cougars. No. Like, and the, I the mean, world like, really didn't. But like, there was legitimately existential threat of and this is what's going to happen. And as a 10 year old, it's like people are talking about that stuff. And like, nobody, adults aren't really in our vicinity, aren't really taking it seriously, but they're talking about it. And so we're like hearing it and we're going, wait, is that real? Right. Nobody's well, explaining anything. But this was also the age also of mad cow as well. Which was ah, like, yes. These, mad cow disease. These things that were legitimate, but like out of our reach. So it didn't yeah. necessarily seem realistic. Yeah. And Y2K, like there were, it was nothing. Like it wasn't anything. Right. It was more so this widely held conspiracy. There weren't really any facts backing it up of, of course, I mean, wasn't it? parents was, were joking about it and we were like, wait. Should we be scared of Cause, that? Because I, I believe where it came from was people believed that because computers' yes. clocks were set to a certain year, yes. once it turned to 2000, like, the computers yes. would reset once back to Once the 90s year. were gone, it Yeah, would the reset. 1900s, yeah. yeah. I don't know. It's it would, it would reset back to year one or something, and the computers would go crazy. Spoiler alert, it doesn't happen. Yeah, but th- this has nothing to do with that, which I actually really appreciate. Yeah, I'm surprised <laughs> you think it would be a kill switch type of thing. Right? No, I mean, I'm so glad that it's not. I'm glad it's necromancy, and I'm glad that they took this route, because it's just like we'd been there, done that with the computers, and we'll be there, done that some more. I can imagine. Speaking of realism, can we talk about Frank's daughter for a second? She's actually the actress and the little girl who plays her on the TV show, from I, what I read. Listen, I guess I'm judging the guy who played Frank. It just seems like he seemed it seemed like so he would not yes be siring a daughter of that age he actually ages himself quite quickly if you not in the show but if you look at him in in this episode and then you look at pictures of him in millennium he looks 10 times younger because he has darker hair he lets oh, himself go gray okay. so he looks much older here but i don't think he is that old like, he just is like yeah. yes he's older but it's not he's not like a senior gentleman with no. a 10 year old daughter no the, the hair was, was definitely thinner I think if you told me this was this guy's granddaughter, I would not I believe be surprised. It. But let's get past that. This is not this is not the thing to talk about from this. <sighs> a little smoochy smoochy. As I say, I'm bluey smoochy kiss. It's very romantic. Very romance. Yeah, they kiss when the clock strikes midnight. I know. I love it because it's like it's just like one of those uh, people hate this shit, and you didn't like it. You were si- you I, were giving me a groan, I was, and I was I, about I, to I kick I you out of the house. No. I was about to kick you out of the house. Wow, dang! If you don't feel it here, when are you going to feel it? Well, but the thing was, I think I just become so accustomed yes. to they're they're just friends that it no, but they've never so they've always been friends, but like there's it's been coming up this element of a little bit more, you know, like it's been happening the last two seasons that they're like, they love each other, mm-hmm. whether or not it's a, like a sexual love, it's a romantic love, mm. you know? And so they do have a little bit of a romance kiss here where it's just kind of like for them, it's just, they just do it. Yeah. And I love that. There's no like frills to it. It's no like, I love yeah, you. Like dip her and the, the violin <laughs> swells. Right. It. It's just kind of like we, you know, it's kind of like how we fell in love. Yeah. It and just I, happened. And I like the meta aspect where they say the world didn't end. Yeah. It's like, yeah, this, this, this just happened. I love it. It's perfect. Cause it is, it's just like people expected and it was such like, will they, won't they, will they, won't they? And yeah. like, if they do, what will happen? Blah, blah, blah. Who cares? They did it. Yeah. Well, Get over yourself. Well, I remember them when we watched the Storm King, right? Or whatever, the Rain King. That the was Rain the big, King. That was the big buildup. Storm King is an art center. <laughs> that's true. That was the big buildup into that episode, right? We talked yes. about that in the marketing was, oh, this is when they finally kiss. Yeah. And they don't actually kiss. It's yeah. like a, a like a thing. Or, but, yeah. in, or in Triangle when it was like, oh, Mulder's romancing Scully. But it was the alternate universe time travel version of Scully. Right. But at the end of that, he does say, I love you. That's in true. Triangle. That's actually... Uh, one of my favorite moments. Yeah, so that was, listen, if the world ended in, in on January 1st, 2000, and that was the last X-Files episode, I don't think people would have been mad at it. Maybe they were trying to hedge their bets a bit. Yeah, so a little fun facts about Millennium. Mm-hmm. I have a few. Um, starting with the zombieism of it all. 
while I was doing some research, I read that this arose from a separate aborted project where reportedly Stephen King, who okay. had wrote Mr. that Chinga. Mr. Chinga himself had penned um, a uh, he wished he, he wanted to write an episode based on the film Night of the Living Dead. OK, yeah. Um, and he, he didn't. Film. Um, and that was kind of where it came from. They were like, oh, well, we'll kind of combine them. And I thought that, that was good. And then the other thing we talked about was the, the Dick Clark stuff. We already talked about that. Um, yeah. Yeah. So it. that ends 1999 for the X-Files. The X-Files will bleed a little bit into the beginning of the 2000s, but it, it sort of feels to me like, wow, we really are over the hill in that regard, right? Like this is large. Oh yeah. I guess by, it, to by an by extent. large a 90 show. I mean, how dare you? But sure. How dare I, indeed. (laughs) Let me take a second, go watch some Dick Clark clips on YouTube. But when we come back, it's time to shuffle up and deal as we talk about the Goldberg Variation. With everything you have on your plate, earning your degree online seems impossible. But at Grand Canyon University, we specialize in helping you fit a master's degree in education into your busy day. Your graduation team, led by your own GCU counselor, provides you with the personal support you need to succeed. Achieve your goals with a plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. All right, we are back, and it's time to get lucky. Back, back again. Good, yeah. Sorry. I'm, I love it. You've got a song in your heart. I always have a song in my heart. Whistling a happy tune. Uh, maybe. <laughs> Let's go to Chicago. Yeah, we're in Chicago. We're in Chicago. Uh, we're not in deep dish, but we're in deep doo-doo here. I love a dip, deep dish pizza. Just putting it out there. I don't think I've had many in my life. Oh, they're so good. Obviously, you are not a big fan of deep dish, though, no. because you don't like the doughiness of... I don't. Like, I would rather eat, like, the. I don't want to just eat dough. I want to have, like, all the elements of the pizza if I'm eating pizza. Yeah, but a deep dish is like, oh. I mean, I had great deep dish when I went to Chicago, so... There you go. So, we are going to be seeing the plight here of <laughs> Mr. Weems. Um, What's his name? Mr. Weems. I, I think it's Weems. Yeah, Weems. Henry Weems. Henry Weems. Oh, I thought you were asking me the last name. I was like, yeah, his last name's Weems. His last name, all I wrote is Weems, but I didn't know what his first name was. Henry. But he's going to be the subject here, played by, of course, unfortunately, the freshly late uh, Willie Garson. Yeah, and he's so young here, and he's he's perfect for this role. I did not recognize him. Yeah, and he's really good at this role, playing this sort of, like, unassuming guy. Yeah, he's honestly a bit of a dweeb. Yeah, he's a bit of a dweeb. He's a bit of, like, a has-no-path-in-life. Yeah, <laughs> and that's really what they're building on from the opening scene, where we get this high-rise poker game with these mafiosos, you know, straight out of mm-hmm. Goodfellas, and then Weems sitting there in his windbreaker saying, oh, okay, go golly, I got a straight flush. Yes, exactly. And I feel like the um, the sort of uh luckiness of it all is the mystical myth- mystical aspect yeah. but it's not really i mean it's like no this never explained and that's fine. yeah and, and i'm fine with that I yeah think for the concept of the episode i think honestly the more comical the episode is the less you need to explain yeah. it the more i can sort of forgive it because they just say it's for the sake of a joke it's for the yeah. sake of a bit rather than okay, we have to provide a concrete explanation about this because of the heightened drama and stakes. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, we start the episode at a poker game, like you said. Right. And Weems is able to win big on a hand. Uh, and he, he's trying to book it out of there. He basically is like, I just wanted a, a good windfall of cash. And then, well, GTFO. no. So he says, this is all I need. He says, yeah. I don't need any more than that. I'm going to go. Um, but they're, they're like, no, 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 we don't do that. We want to win our money back. You, right. Like you suck. And so in revenge, uh, a couple of heavies take him up to the roof and throw him off of it. Apparently this was supposed to be somebody falling out of an airplane 
and then walking away unharmed. Which does happen to Weems off screen, right? Mm-hmm. That's what he describes as a New Year. Like, actually, I, it seems like they the the way the last episode ended, they didn't they say like New Year's Eve, a plane crash. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but apparently, the, due to budgetary reasons, they changed it to a building. <laughs> they, they crashed too many planes in the X Files. Yeah. <laughs> also, like crashes. for an opening scene, like come on. <laughs> no, and I like this much more. It's almost like Mister, um, like Inspector Gadget, yes. Mister Bean, and or, so he falls into an open open manhole right which is actually beneath a laundry room so he's able to fall into like laundry which cushions his fall it's so cartoony I yeah love it. it's very cartoony i mean and also cartoony we're going to introduce Mulder and scully here where we have chicago scully but what i'm going to say is manhole Mulder, where like <laughs> yeah. she's talking to him on the phone and then he climbs out of the manhole to talk to her no he uses like the elevator lift too oh that's he? Yeah. yeah so he like this is like very much a like turn around and the elevator opens and he like pops out yeah i remember that i remember definitely doing that uh, back in the day of like texting people like turn around yes and be like, i'm here you know yeah because it was so novel at the time now yeah, it's like, like the, okay great good yeah, for the you advent of texting was like oh this is fun you like know, i can, can see you and you talk creep- to you at the exactly, same time you can creepily text people uh so the interesting thing about this episode is that scully has no veritable explanation for what's going on no i know and she's just kind of like hanging on for yeah. the ride Well, because they're investigating this laundromat and they're they say how could this possibly happen and scully's like to be candid he just got really lucky yeah <laughs> and i think that that's like kind of an interesting take that he he's doing that um and david duchovny is being his typical david duchovny here and just like totally uh, comedic value to the scenes, I guess. Mm-hmm. You know, that's Scully's invested in their the relationship of it all, and he's like the ha ha has. The ha ha has. That's a good way to put it. They find a no. Is this eye? Do you think this eye is supposed to be glass? It yeah. looks it looks plastic. No, me. it's supposed to be glass. You don't put plastic in your eyeball. Why not? Because they just don't do that. No, I think it could be, especially back then. Yeah, definitely back then. It just didn't. <laughs> Maybe look now like, they have high. It didn't high look tech very quest. glassy to me. Maybe just because there wasn't like a reflection on it. Well, you need to shine it. Yeah, with maybe your you spit. Didn't shine his his eyeball. Yeah, you gotta shine it. Uh, so yeah, we get we get like a little bit of of a bit here, right? Where Mulder and Scully get buzzed up into yes. his building. And this lady's like, oh, you got to fix my plumbing. Uh, and they're like, no, we're looking for Weems. Apparently, Weems is the super yes. of the building. He's the super of the building. And this lady is not happy with his service. But what we are happy to see, Angela, is a young, little precocious Shia LaBeouf. For all the drugs. That is Richie, the littlest doob. Uh, he's in a little bit of a, a pit of trouble, as we'll talk about later. But right now, he just seems precocious and adorable. Yeah, just kind of like, a you know, hanging around in his apartment building in Chicago, just like, you know, poking his head in where it doesn't yeah. belong. Though at this moment, he could definitely be wearing a bag over his head that says, I am not famous, because he is not yet famous. Yeah, he's not yet famous. He's just a cute kid here, which is nice. Yeah, and Mulder is going to find Weems. The first of a couple times he ends up searching for Weems and accidentally stumbling into him. Where he, yeah. Like, doesn't he fall through the floor? Yeah, so basically they're... Um, they're the woman brings him into her apartment to fix the sink. The sink bursts and yeah. the floor beneath Mulder collapses and he basically falls into Weems' apartment below him. God, some shitty building that they live in. Yeah, and basically, like, he's like, guess who I found? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Weems freaks out. He thinks that the FBI is there to basically yes, force, him, force to him to testify against this mafia guy whose name is Jimmy Catrona. Yes, Jimmy Catrona. And I guess he is, uh, you know... They're waiting to find a reason to testify, to find somebody to testify against right. him. Right, because- so he, he basically is like, don't use me as one of your stooges. And we'll also find out later that that's because he feels like, yeah. while he himself is good luck, he is bad luck to everyone around him. Yeah, it's like a balance thing. So exactly. if he takes more luck to win, something bad is going to happen to somebody else. And you'll see that later with the lottery ticket. But- exactly. So... The other thing that Weems is interested in, though, he's a man of, of many yes. talents. One of them is making Rube Goldberg machines as a hobby. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't read much into why they did that, but the whole episode is titled after Rube Goldberg machines. Yeah. And then also the Goldberg Variations, which is a Bach concerto. Oh, interesting. Did they actually use that music throughout the episode? I honestly don't don't recall that being in there, but yeah, I, I read that that's why they music. titled it, probably because of the word the word Goldberg. They were probably I, like, oh, Goldberg variations, Rube Goldberg, let's tie them together. It's funny. I love Rube Goldberg machines. I know, me too. There used to be this 
game called Mousetrap that oh, you yeah. play um, on the like old old computers. Oh, you used to play Mousetrap on the computer. Oh yeah. Interesting. Wait. It was like a computer game where you made your own Rube Goldberg machine. Oh, I thought you were thinking of oh, the, no, game, no, no. the board game Mousetrap. No, it was like a, another one. Rube Goldberg machine as well. Maybe it wasn't called Mouse. It was Mouse something. There was a mouse. And uh-huh. basically you had to get the mouse to the, like, through all these things without, like, killing it or something. Yeah, I remember in one of my, like, in sixth grade, one of the things we did was make... And there were all these pipes. Yeah, and, like, it wasn't a Rube Goldberg. I mean, it wasn't like an as con- incredibly advanced Rube Goldberg machine. It's nothing that Weems would even sniff at, but it was like still really fun to do, right? The idea of thinking about yeah. things affecting other things. If I have one complaint about his Rube Goldberg machine, maybe don't use light bulbs as dominoes. That's really <laughs> dangerous. Yeah, it does. It does feel a little dangerous, but I like that the end is such like a satisfying like yeah, because that's the the other thing we find out later that uh, with poor sick Lewis that mm-hmm. Weems made a Rube Goldberg machine out of what I'm I think is connects. They look I'm, like connects. Yeah, I'm, if I'm sourcing that correctly, that dunks a basketball. Yeah, which I love because he loves the basketball and he loves all sports. Baseball right now. Yeah, well, it's just uh, that's that's Mulder also. Like sometimes he likes baseball, sometimes he likes basketball. It's like, hey, if you're a white yeah. man and you're yeah. on the X Files, you're gonna like both baseball and basketball. Yeah, and so they leave him there uh, yeah, because this- he he's like i'm coming with you and this is where sort of the inspector gadget stuff comes in Mm -hmm. right where Mulder and scully decide to take the stairs instead of the elevator and they see this so they miss one of the jimmy katrona's hitmen coming up into the elevator but as they get to the bottom of the stairs Mulder realizes he left his keys in the apartment so he rings the intercom just as the hitman bursts into the apartment to kill weems startling him his gun hit he shoots his gun yeah it hits something ricochets and shoot and basically like reverses and kills him no that's that's another one where in this one it's that like the gun went off and like he goes sprawling over the couch and no that's sh- weems weems sprawls over the couch oh i thought it, this I th- guy gets shot no i thought the hitman was the one hanging from the ceiling fan oh yes he's hanging from the ceiling right fan. that's right like sorry he gets, he gets shot and then he like but he goes sprawling over the couch and gets his shoelace caught on the ceiling fan so when they walk right, in, right, right swinging right. around it yeah and so basically so it's like a rube goldberg machine yes and this is when we also are uh, given the information that weems is the sole survivor of a jet crash that killed 20 people in December 1989. And that's how he lost his eye. Yeah, and that's how he lost his eye, but he was the sole survivor, and he basically says, like, this is why I am the way I am. Yeah, and so we get a little bit of what he was talking about before, because one of the reasons why he turned them away is because, again, he feels like he is himself bad luck. We see this here where he wins a $100,000 scratch-off ticket at, at like, the mini-mart. Well, and again, we're getting some sort of weird context clues here. There's something about $100,000, because he goes in, he says, I want to play the lottery. Yeah, the guy says, reason- oh, okay, what what do you want? And he's like, I, well, I don't need that. What's the, the jackpot is, like, something like $2 million. He's like, oh, I don't need that much. I just need $100,000. It gives him a scratch-off. Yeah, well, maybe he fears the more he gets, yeah. like, that things might literally explode around him, so well, he wants to go he, for the lowest denomination. And we'll find out later, he's getting this money not for himself, but for Richie. So he right. feels like if he doesn't get the exact amount for Richie, then he has personal gain, which will have, like, consequences. Set the balance yes, of the force. exactly. So... He he gets though he gets a hundred thousand dollars. He goes, oh, this is too much. No, no, he gets a hundred thousand dollars. But the guy says he's like, oh, where do I get the money? And the guy goes, oh, they'll give it to you in in chunks over twelve. Oh, months. right, that's what it is. And he goes, yes. no, I need it all at once. So he throws it away. And the guy who's next to him, this like punk looking, I mean, it's the kid who uh, who flips off Spock. Yes. In, uh, in Star Trek Four, the voyage totally. Home. Um, and basically, he picks it up, and and Weems is like, "No, something bad will happen." And I don't care, dude. I'm I'm a hundred thousand there. Woo! Walks it onto the street. You know, when you see the framing of that shot, yeah, what's Chuck. gonna happen? Gets hit by a van or a truck or whatever yeah. it is, and um, yeah, bummer. So Weems is gonna go into hiding, and yes. we get a little bit of like a cat and a mouse or mouse trap chase here as Mulder's able to eventually find him yeah. in the vents of his apartment building. <laughs> yeah, because I guess he's good at um, staying out of view, is what right. Mulder well, says. And he's also the super, right? So he yeah. probably knows the nooks and crannies of the building. Yeah, and so, yeah, that's what happens. So, Weems is gonna, they're gonna go to the hospital now, because poor Richie, he's really suffering from liver failure. They really 
yellowed up poor Shia LaBeouf. Well, and I mean, this is where we see the sort of scully of it all. She ends up actually... She's a medical doctor. Well, she talks to Richie Pryor, too. She actually, like, takes a second to, like, get to know him, realizing that clearly Henry Weems has, like, an interest in this kid. What is it about this kid? And maybe that has some... Like, she saw... She figures it out. She's like, oh, you're trying to pay for his surgery, you know? Yeah. His whatever, and basically we find out it's some sort of treatment, but... Um. Yeah, Richie's yellow. Richie's yellow. D- explain this to me, because I think I got a little bit... Con- oh, let me whip out my medical degree. <laughs> yeah, well, no, not the not liver failure. This concept, <laughs> I, I sort of got confused about this. So Mulder, after hearing this explanation from Weems, really throws himself into it. And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not sure, like, what does he... Because Scully chastises him, right, for, for doing something. Maybe I missed a point. What is Mulder doing with Weems? What do you mean? Like, she's like, oh, you shouldn't be, like, buying into his fantasies. Is it just that Mulder believes him? Yeah, yeah. Mulder believes him and is, like, encouraging him to, like, I don't know, use his luck. That's, yeah, that's what I'm I'm thinking. Uh, maybe not even necessarily to take down the mafia, but it just so happens that Weems passes, you know, Jimmy Catrona on his way out of the hospital because Jimmy Catrona is visiting one of his other henchmen who got shot. Yeah. And is like, oh, yeah. okay, I know how to get Right, because it. there was another instance where Mulder's going to question Weems and a guy comes and basically the gunshot ricochets off of Weems's knife that's in his pocket yeah. and shoots him. Right. And so now he realizes like, okay, now I know how to get to this guy basically through the people that he cares about. Right. Well, I think that the there's also so we're skipping a few things. This is Weems confesses to Mulder that he needs a hundred thousand dollars for Richie. Yep. Later, he's hit by a car. Oh, that's what it is. Yeah. Well, I think it's him when when he's walking out of the hospital, he gets hit by a car. Yeah. So he's hit by a car, and it appears that like his lucky streak is at an end. And so Katrona kidnaps Richie's mom. To stop Weems from testifying. Right. It's just the idea of, like, if I can't... Because I keep trying to get him, right? And all his henchmen keep dying. So he's like, let me go again for someone that he cares about in yes. the form of Richie's mom. Yeah, but he we don't he doesn't realize that his luck is changed. Right. Yeah, for some reason. But Mulder... Then, Probably because he got hit by the car. And by that logic, Mulder says, okay, well, if his luck is getting worse, mine must be getting better. Let me start <laughs> randomly it, pointing Mulder. in the yellow pages for yeah. where to go. I guess. I think he was basically, basically like maybe hoping he would get a little of his luck, but which which doesn't end up happening whatsoever, right? No. Like this entirely gets busted up without any of their involvement. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so yeah, we now we get a little bit of like a weird basement set going on, right? Where Katrona yes. has Weems captured, has Richie's mom captured, and is mm-hmm. basically like, "All right, I'm going to kill you now, so you can't testify." Yeah, and, and they're then, gonna they're gonna string him up in. Oh, so they're in the laundry thing. Oh, they're in the laundry. Okay, yeah. I just thought they were in the basement of the building. No, they're in a laundry thing. So they're stringing him up on one of those like uh, crane things, yeah. so that they can dunk him into boiling water, I guess. Basically, but then surprise, surprise, that luck comes back one more time. Basically, a series mm-hmm. of unfortunate events happen. Of Rube Goldberg. Yeah, that kills the goon, and specifically poor Jimmy Catrona gets, like, a hooked straight to the face. Yeah. Oof. Rough. And then, fall like, basically a laundry hook, and then falls back into a laundry thing, and then, like, um, <laughs> uh, Mulder arrives with the backup, and they just, like, walk in on this, like, scene where it's it's done. So Yeah, <laughs> but something that's pertinent here, because... Yes. Lu- uh, I keep saying Lewis, because that was his name on Even Stevens. Rich Richie is dying. <laughs> Richie has a uh, like liver failure, but right. the reason he hasn't gotten a donor liver yet is because he has a very rare blood type B negative. And this was weird to you, but I thought this was very normal that this guy was wearing a medical bracelet. Right, because then it ends up cutting to a shot of Katrona's dead body where there's a tag hanging off of his wrist that says blood type B negative. Yeah, so B negative is a really rare blood type. Is it? Yeah, and so if you have anything that's like weird about you, like you have an allergy or you have like... I don't know, um, like a, a rare blood disease or something like that, you would wear a medical bracelet so that if you do get into an accident, they don't just start pumping you with right. O-neg I'm, I'm, or I'm whatever. I'm fine with that. I think I'm more so intrigued by, like, the aesthetic <laughs> How big it, it was, it, yeah. It was written in, like, well, bright, he's a big guy. bright red paint. It's like how I, would you rather it be written? Well, I feel like those medical bracelets aren't they more like dog tags, where like they're like imprinted into it instead of like that was on? that was it was imprinted in with like red. Yeah, that's. The, I think the red was the thing that. No, that they can be red. Just to like a nice flash of color, so that you notice it. The whole point is that you see it. Yeah, I suppose. So. <laughs> but uh, I think the episode ends right where the the like there's a power outage that's caused around the city, 
And yes. the lights come on at the hospital that says, doesn't it say like, hi, Richie? Or yeah. Something? Or it says save Richie or something like that. I forget. Yeah. Something about Richie. Yeah. It's weird. Yeah. That's interesting. That's less so Weems. Uh, that's more so like Weems is in the computer and is talking to people. Yeah. I don't know. So this was fun. This was a lark, I would say. Yeah, Obviously. it's fun. I mean, the reason we're watching it is more the guest actors than yeah. anything, but um, it's a cute idea. The idea of like a whole episode that is a Rube Goldberg machine. Yeah, I do find it interesting, though, that I think these two episodes do have a common theme, which is that Mulder and Scully do very little in yes. these episodes. Yeah, they do. And I think this is going to be, I don't want to say a... Um, common occurrence for the rest of the the season but it it does happen more because i think that they both had pretty large schedules at right. this point and i think also they feel confident enough in the show that yeah they're like okay we'll just do Mulder and scully react to things rather than these things happen to Mulder and scully yeah totally all right let's talk some spooks here who you sp- <laughs> who are you spooking mm, i am spooking uh You're spooking your respiratory system clearly <laughs> I don't have COVID. Um, which episode? Millennium. I don't know. Who are you spooking? Well, you got spooked Mr. Johnson. Oh, yeah. He was Mr. real spooky. Either him or all of the zombies. The, the zombies are fairly spooky, but Mr. Johnson is like getting himself and corpses nude. Yeah, That's really weird. spooky to me. Pretty spooky. And then what about the Goldberg variation? Um, I guess Catrone. He's pretty spooky. Catrona is, is, I would say, more so intimidating than spooky. I think I, it's, for me, it's got to go to the punk kid who gets hit by a bus. <laughs> I think the old lady who needs her plumbing fixed. She's pretty yeah. intense. Richie's mom? Yeah. That wasn't Richie's mom. I thought it was Richie's mom. I don't think so. Because uh, Richie, like, Maybe walks- it is. Oh, yeah, maybe it is yeah, Richie's, Richie's mom. Richie's there. Unless, unless this is one of those apartment <laughs> buildings where everyone... So, Richie's mom. Yeah, Richie's mom. There we go. Okay. Next week. Two more one-off episodes. All right, look, people. We get it. I hear ya. We missed Hungry. Apparently, we're- it's that important to y'all. Hungry for Hungry. We're gonna watch Hungry. But I plead the fifth if I come back here being like, why did I watch this episode? Just just, just be aware of it. I don't that. think you'll hate it. It's just not one of my favorite episodes, so I didn't pick it initially. All right, well, apparently it is a seminal episode. I'd love for people to tell I us I guess it why. is to an extent. It's like very like typical X-Files, but all right. We've seen so much typical X-Files, though. That's the only... Well, l- l- right, l- people, I want people to really sign off about why they like or why I, I should be watching Hungry. So please... <laughs> Email us, tweet us, etc. But mm-hmm. that won't be the only one. We're also going to be jumping forward a little bit to the amazing Malini. Yep, the amazing Malini. Is it, I'm assuming he's a magician? He is a magician. Oh boy, more magic being involved. That's fun. Yeah, this is a fun one. It's very like who, um, like what's real, what's not real. I don't know. I enjoy it. Oh, that's cool. Okay, so we're doing episode <laughs> three and episode eight of season seven of The X-Files here. And uh, we, we, we mapped it out. I think we have about, uh, we actually have like a good four or five weeks more of season seven. So again, we're really salivating in this before seasons eight and nine come along and we're... <laughs> Yeah. We're losing out on some stuff. Yeah. <laughs> You're just going to have me keep watching this show forever, aren't you? Yeah. Uh, all right. We got to go back. We got to watch them all. No. <laughs> really? I'm, I'm not. I'm, maybe I'll watch the occasional episode. But like, from what you described to me, you... You're doing the job of picking the essentials. I feel like I'm No, doing- there are a lot of episodes I couldn't pick because you told me I wasn't allowed. Well, yeah, maybe one day, but I'm 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 enjoying I want to watch the one with the worms in Antarctica and they go in their brains. Oh no, I, I, I don't want that. That's a great episode. Oh boy. All it's right. like first season. It's classic. Maybe we'll do like a by popular demand episode when all is said and done of like here are the ones that we skipped, like the one the potato one or the 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 Small one. potatoes? Yeah, the one that, that everyone also said you we skipped. Who knows? We've watched plenty of X Files episodes. We've got plenty more, including next week with uh Hungry and the amazing Malini. Let's see what the X-Files Season 7 has up on deck. I'm hungry for more. Ew. Uh, I, don't, I don't know what the episode is about, so I apologize if, if the context was not very good. And I won't tell you. Oh, boy. All right. We're going to have a fun week next week. Thanks for listening, everybody. Special thanks to Corey B. for his fantastic theme song. Until next week, he's closed.